BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. We're coming, and we ain't backing down. We don't need a bunch of cats in here looking in the mirror. I'm bitterly disappointed with the officiating today. Guys being dudes. And they run through our <laughs> like through a tin horn, man. <laughs> Thank you, Lee. Uh, folks, two things. Quickly, I have to apologize uh, if I sound like I'm a little off the pace today. I was up until 3 o'clock in the morning last night because I very clearly have a mouse in the walls. I think it chewed through the wires oh, in brother. my walls, given that I got three rooms that don't have power. I also think it chewed through the hose that goes from my sink to the fridge to, you know, the filtered water because I woke up and the hose was absolutely leaking all over the floor. So I got a problem. So also, if I have to jump off this podcast, it's because my maintenance guy shows up to try to get five will goes west <clears throat> the fuck out of my apartment. Concrete jungle where dudes I, uh, are made of. I had a Stuart Little. I have a Stuart Little problem in my apartment as well. The other night I saw a mouse. I had heard it, so I made sure to have the broomstick nearby, my weapon of choice, and I made contact with the mouse. I shot it like a hockey puck, <laughs> basically, from my kitchen into the, the table. I mean, it's a, it's a one-bedroom apartment with one other room, and uh, this mouse didn't die. It collected itself. It, it it kind of got what we would call yards after contact, and <laughs> then it found the hole, as you would say, and it was gone. And I have been waiting for it to come back. It's 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 gotten personal. It's oh, tough. Boy. It's it's very disappointing. And my name is Stephen Godfrey, and I don't live in a metropolitan area in the Northeast because it turns out you can Who's move in this that? country. No, see, if I didn't live in New York, I'd have to live somewhere else. That's the problem. Well, okay. It is somehow week eight. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. That's wild to me. It is. It is week eight. Uh, We are going to talk today about 11 teams. So a a nice little sampling of of FBS. We're going to talk about five who are playing really well, who haven't lost yet. In fact, kind of the the five surprise unbeatens, I think most people would say in college football Uh, and six teams that are really not playing well. But here's the lens that we're going to talk about them through. It's a long season, but it's also a short season. And a few hot weeks or a few really cold weeks can fundamentally change the way that a program acts going forward. But sometimes that can be misleading because you see things for half of a season that don't really hold up. There are too many examples of this to count. 
of schools buying high on coaches or maybe of schools firing coaches too quickly. Uh, all kinds of these these things trick us in college football because it's a small sample size sport. So we have these teams. One of us will make the case for what the rest of the season looks like, what things might look like going into the offseason, and where that leaves these teams, you know, futuristically. Uh, we're calling it next five weeks, next five months, next two years. Richard Johnson, you were in Fort Worth, Texas with TCU on Friday and Saturday. So we give you the 6-0 and Horned Frogs next five weeks, next five months, next two years. <laughs> we originally had great symmetry on this. We were going to do five, five, five weeks, five, five months, five yeah. years. And then I... I brought, I, you know, presented to the class that I can barely tell you where these teams are going to be in one year, yeah. much less five. So we reduced it to two. So here we two are. Two is the maximum amount um, for any team in college football. If you go to five years, to Richard's point, you might as well be talking about like spaceship shoes and teleportation. We have no idea. Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, five years ago, that was wasn't that the year Washington went to the playoff? No, five years ago was seventeen. Wasn't that the year Washington went to the – it's a blur, man. Yeah, that was 16. Five years ago was the year that – five years ago was, was was Ohio State gave up 55 points to Iowa. That's my main main memory of the 2017 season. You think they're going to do that this year? We'll come back to it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I have for the second week in a row been with the Frogs. I was with them in Lawrence. Uh, and then I was I was in Fort Worth on Saturday uh, to watch them beat Oklahoma State. Um, look, they're six and zero. You can't knock it. I mean, they they battled back in a game against Oklahoma State that I thought they were going to get smoked right around halftime or midway through the second quarter. And then Oklahoma State just decided not to score a touchdown for the last forty minutes of regulation, uh, and and TCU was able to battle back. That's a feisty team, man. And and I think four and two coming down the stretch is like the least they can do. The least they can do at this point in time. Okay. Um, the funny thing about TCU is it's the same team. It's the same team that Gary Patterson left. Um, and, and it's funny because when you're around this team, there so there are a lot of bona fides to why they're winning, right? Like I think Max Duggan's fine. Um, Kendra Miller as running back, I think is pretty good. And as I've talked on the show, I think Quentin Johnson is outstanding at wide receiver. So there are bona fides why they're winning these games. Okay. And then there are also the like very ethereal, like flowery, like, Hey, we don't have a head coach who puts in new coverages on Saturday morning anymore. <laughs> and, <laughs> and and the defense is a lot simpler. We did, are, so I was curious. I didn't. I didn't read your notes on this. I just. <laughs> I was curious going in. Are we going to say the things plural, or are we not going to say the things? So we're saying the things. And and hey, you know, everybody's kind of a lot happier than they've been the last two to three years around here. Um, yeah. So that's or interesting. Five. I think moving f moving forward over the next five months, you know. It, They've got the good Cruton assistants, right? Sonny Dykes brought the good Cruton assistants with him um, to run the Metroplex. Well, I've heard you're Texas is a good place to recruit, because, Richard. Allegedly. Um, you're going to have to replace a couple of these guys. I mean, Sonny Dykes said it after the game on Saturday that he's probably going to be watching Quentin Johnson on on uh, on Sundays next year. So, yeah, you're going to have to replace these guys. The next five months are going to be pretty cru uh, 
crucial in recruiting um, to get a good signing class to build on this. Uh, you're going to have to pay, by the way, you're going to have to pay Garrett Riley, the offensive coordinator, Lincoln's brother, whatever he wants. Yeah. Write a blank check yeah. because they are going to come for him. Um, so it, be ready to fork that over. Uh, obviously, they're in good hands. I think Jeremiah Donati is a good athletic director. Obviously, there is money in the banana stand. Trust me, Ooh, man. I have been boy, on that campus. I, there is money no, in that banana stand. You, I will tell if you. If you haven't been to TCU's campus, like I, there are, I, I can't think of more places that are so evident of the money being spent as soon as you see any any portion of that campus. And I will say for the, the like, I was really impressed with that stadium. They they pretty uh, slick, redid. Right? Yeah, they redid AMG Carter, I guess, 10-ish years ago, 15 years yeah. ago. Um, it is, I think it is a really, really nice model for anybody who's not going to put 80,000 yeah. butts in seats. Yeah. I think it's a really, really nice It's stadium. pretty, and it has wonderful um, sight lines. Next two years, obviously, the Big 12 is pretty rapidly changing. There are some, there are some fellas who are leaving here pretty soon. Um, so, kind of, why not y'all, TCU? I mean, I... I think that TCU, I think it was fair to say that TCU needed a different coach for the Big 12 era. Um, obviously, we know Gary can coach tail off. The coming but, Big 12 era. What, no, no, no. I mean, like, the Big 12 era. Yeah. Oh, yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. Because, because you're a very, I'm not saying they should have fired uh, Gary Patterson five years ago. But what I am saying is that, like, TCU is, is, there's no scrappy underdoggy anymore here, no. especially when Texas and Oklahoma leave. Like there, nobody's a scrappy underdog anymore. Somebody has to go take it. Yes. When, once they leave, and I don't really like where what Sunny Dog is going to leave. No, in fact, I wanted to jump on this real fast, Richard. Do you know what you and I are going to hear a lot about in the next carousel cycle? Is it's not like for a long time losing or being fired or mutually agreeing to part ways with a power five job was a death knell for the rest of your career as a head coach to go back and look at the, whatever you want to call it, a conscious uncoupling of Cal and Sonny Dykes and figure out maybe who was on the right track about how to run and be successful with a P five program. This is the most vindicated I've seen a P five head coach in a long, long time. A long time. I really can't think of one, honestly, where it's it's this cut and dry, and then he gets a second chance and does everything he can with it. I'm going to move on. I'm going to take the 6-0 Syracuse Orange. So next five weeks or, or whatever, they have six games left, I think is going to be fine. So they play Clemson this week. I expect them to lose that game. I think they will come home, though, with at least a few more wins. They have Notre Dame, Pitt, Florida State, Wake, and Boston College. You'd like to get two or three at least out of that. Uh, and I think that given what they already have together, eight or nine wins, that'll be a fine season, even if you're kind of limping home and if you don't go 500 the rest of the way, which I think is possible. I don't think it's going to be your ACC Atlantic champ. Uh, even if they beat Clemson this week, I might still be a bit skeptical of that. Uh, I don't think it's New Year's Six Bowl team, but it's going to be a nice year. They are not, they are not beating they are Clemson. Not beating Clemson so uh, next five months, though, it gets trickier. And this is this is the real meat of this one, and I'm curious how y'all feel about it. Are they going to extend Dino Babers again? Because they have rolled this tape before. 
uh, remember, he's been at Syracuse since 2016, I believe. Uh, every year has been mediocre or bad, except uh, this one and 2018. 2018, they won nine games. They extended him right before their bowl game. They got to 10 wins in the bowl game. Until this, this season. This is the point of buyouts, Well, by the way. This is, the, this is a, a positive buyout story. Is in a way, uh, I disagree that it's the point of buyouts. The point of buyouts is because coaches have the leverage, but they, until this year, you would have said that that extension based on 19, 20, and 21 was not working out. Uh, Stephen Godfrey, you have talked about, you've done some reporting on the Syracuse buyout situation. Uh, we've done some stuff before about yes. like, the history of the Syracuse program. We have like a 40-minute special on Patreon. Yes, uh, we do. At splitsundo.com that is just a a history of how Syracuse football kind of fits into college football. We also like, talked the about point it. Is, yeah, we talked about it this week. We had a, we had a question yeah. as soon as this weekend happened on the single wing about it and I, I tried to sort of break uh, the, the mindset of Syracuse fans. You don't have to extend them. I really believe that, Alex. You don't have to. We talked about this on Single Wing. You can check it out, splitsunduo.com. It's it's just an interesting the, the question. Point, when I talk about the point of buyouts, like the point of buyouts it, in, a, in a perfect world, the point of buyouts is the money, the amount is so high, you can't just fire me on a whim now <laughs> obviously we have pr- proven that in this sport is not the case but the the you know the 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 best case scenario i don't know best case scenario but kind of the point of the buyout is a guardrail for all sides and because syracuse didn't want to pay the money to fire him they kept him around and he's fucking around and winning some games this yeah. year again <laughs> yeah he is, and I'm not trying to fire this guy, certainly, just to be clear, but... Where's he going, you though, Alex? Almost, you almost got burned pretty badly. Uh, I agree with you. I don't think he's going anywhere. Um, you also, like, don't see anything happening here that, at least in my opinion, that would make you think, oh, 2023 is going to be another great one. It could be. It could be, but it's hard to know who's going to be on the team because of COVID. You don't know who's going to use extra years and who's not. You know, I don't. Dog, I don't. We're, we're, we're going to get to the COVID thing with with one of those schools a little bit later. But yes, continue. I don't think Garrett Trader is going early to the NFL. I don't think he's that type of player. Richard is laughing like well, an asshole. I would give you that. Uh, idea. <laughs> but you know, is Sean Tucker back at Syracuse next year? He's in his third year of college football. I don't know. Um, there's just a lot of cloudiness that affects how you might think Syracuse might look in 2023 and beyond. Um, that's kind of moving to the next two years of this. Recruiting has not bounced in this good season that they've had. They're in the 80s nationally as we speak. So I think that I might just try to ride this thing out if I were Syracuse. Um, I think he has, what, one or two left on his contract? Yep. Um, if it's just one, then you – am I right? Uh, well, we don't know specifically, but because uh, it's a private school, yeah, it is a right. private. Yeah. So yeah. if, if you're not, if you're if you're unfamiliar with this stuff, private schools don't have to publicly divulge, nor are they subject to FOIA, Freedom of Information Act, or a Sunshine Law, or anything like that. So based on reporting, we go and we kind of piece it all together. I was actually doing this with another private school this week. Um, we we think it's in that range. I won't get any more specific than that because I don't want to, you know, get got on on being factually incorrect. But Alex, I think it, I think it's finish your thought because I want to post twenty twenty four. I want to. I think it's like twenty twenty four. 
Okay, I want to pose something to you. So let's say you're a Syracuse fan. They finish strong. They have a great season. And then you're able to, in the wake of that great season, look back at the entire oeuvre, okay? The oeuvre of Dino Babers. If he leaves, just saying he leaves, let's say he goes to Arizona State. This is, by the way, a hypothetical. Stephen Godfrey is not reporting. This is not an I think I feel I know. This is just a hypothetical. I pulled Arizona State out of thin air, okay? Let's say he goes to Arizona State. Aren't you a little bit relieved? <laughs> you get to go without any buyout issues, without any without any concern whatsoever for dismissing a head coach, and go to go to market. What was the God? What what? Where did this happen? Right? It's happened this a bunch hap- of places. Um, well, yeah, I'm I'm thinking. So it, the funny thing is, it, I don't. You know, Lord knows I'm not the biggest college basketball fan in the world. Um, but Florida fans like hated Mike White. Um, and then yeah. Georgia just like hired yeah. him <laughs> and everybody was like, why did you do that? Didn't Quanzo Martin do the same thing? I like think three so. times. I, I... <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, yeah. For us to talk college basketball would be just an expose of how dumb I am on things that aren't college football. Uh, I really think they could go to market and feel good about it. And that's not a knock on Dino. Maybe Dino does work better and is more consistent at another job. I just feel like this is one of those rare instances when when all parties concerned can just if it happened, which by the way, again, I don't hear Dino's name coming up in in market right now. So don't worry about it. And you don't have to extend him. You don't have to do this. Sorry, Alex. No, I think that about sums it up. I would try to ride this thing out a little longer if I were Syracuse because I think you could get yourself stuck. And there is a significant risk of that. Boys, Stephen Godfrey, uh, boys, it's time. It's time for you. Oh, to, it's time for you to talk about your favorite oh, team, no. uh, your beloved, your beloved alma mater, uh, folks. If you're ever looking for Stephen Godfrey on a Saturday morning, you can find him in the Grove mm-hmm. uh, with a, with a nice sweater vest and that a baby shirt. blues on, little bow tie. You know uh, it. Ole Miss seven talking about my Stephen Godfrey complaining about tea times at Old Waverly. That's Stephen Godfrey. If anybody would like to give me Woo! a tea time at Old Waverly, I will say I will. Yeah, me I, I mean, I can take care of that for y'all. I mean, you do know where I get to play golf if I ever learn. Then that's a conversation for another. Just that's talk a about conversation them. for another show. Just talk about Ole Miss, I don't want to golf. 7-0, and oh, right, baby. This segment was made for me because here's the deal. Yes, am I gonna am I gonna stay on brand? Absolutely. Are you gonna find a way to get me off brand? Good luck. Ole Miss is seven and zero. Oh. You can go, and we're not going to play the schedule game because some people, when I'm not on the show, like to talk a little smack that some other co-hosts just read schedules too much on the show, Alex. <laughs> this is a... Well, I mean, we have to read schedules. We're talking about the next five weeks. Well, someone threw shade while I was driving through the lovely mountains of West Virginia about reading schedules on this show. I almost pulled over and texted you two. <laughs> Ungrateful Gen Z. Okay. If you go back and look at this schedule relative to what's coming up, I think you understand what we're dealing with at Ole Miss. In the next five weeks, this 7-0 and football team, and we'll get to that 7-0 and in a second, every single game to finish their season is literally all winnable and all losable. If you have any tiny amount of knowledge on Ole Miss right now, if you've watched them at all, you probably understand what I'm about to say. You ready? Tell me they can't win or lose. LSU, Texas A&M, Alabama, Arkansas, Mississippi State. Every single one of those games is a swing game. You could just as you could have ten and two, you could have seven and five. It's that easy. You. It's funny because I don't think the seven and zero oh 
is fraudulent. Now, they probably should have lost to Kentucky. Yes, they should have lost to Kentucky. No. They, uh, beyond that. And I want to, yeah. It's, it's, so I want to get to that, Richard, because the conversation that's going to come back in the comments is you're thinking about an older Ole Miss. And I, I want to acknowledge that the floor has been raised at this program and other SEC programs. However, are you suspect and should you be in the top 10? I still don't think so, okay? Uh, the chances of them making it out you know, undefeated based on what I've seen in their defense, that's absolutely nil. I think 3-2 and two would be a massive success. That puts them at 10-2, and two, which is a massive success in Oxford, okay? This is a team that is— I mean, Lane is low-key in his bag on offense. Absolutely. I mean, they are doing some sick shit in the run game. So this is a team that's roughly top 10 in every EPA category on offense, okay? Roughly. If you— were to strip numbers and names off jerseys and look at tape from this year and tape from last year when Matt Corral was there, it roughly looks the same. In other words, it looks very effective. It's innovative. This is why Lane's name comes up. This is why, other than all the crap he does on social media, this is why he is so popular, okay? The problem is all those EPA stats on defense put them somewhere in the 50s. In the 50s nationally, okay? They are legitimately bad against the run. Tank Bigsby was able to do 179, and most of that came after Auburn adjusted. Basically, they got hit in the they got hit in the mouth because of the Ole Miss offense. I know there was a lightning delay, but this happens before the delay. Auburn adjusts and starts grinding on them. They are bad on defense in the red zone. Okay. They forced a fumble to save a game against Kentucky. Okay. That would have broken the streak and we wouldn't even be talking about them right now. Richard, this is all fair to say. That they had that they safetyed Will Levis and got an extra possession on. And I believe Kentucky also missed an extra point because Kentucky special teams are actually among the worst in the country. So you, so it's fair to say Kentucky loses that game more than Ole Miss wins it. They dragged I, I would agree with ass that. early against Vanderbilt. They just simply dragged ass against a team that they are better, better than, than almost what every position, every single matchup. They dragged ass in Nashville. Okay. They, they didn't collapse against Auburn, but they basically changed. They they reverted on defense specifically against an Auburn team that is just filled with woe. All right. And I'm talking not about their off field. I'm talking schematically on the field. Okay. Um, this is close to the same offense as they were last year. I've already said that. Um, they lack a convincing quality win. I would like you to find one if you can interrupt me, either one of you, but they just don't have it. So I want to also take you back and realize this is about where they were last year, which is an accomplishment unto itself. They're just not a top 10 national title caliber team. So last year, this week was the golf ball game at Tennessee, the mustard bottle, the freakout. If do you guys remember what that freakout was about, like why Tennessee fans were completely losing their minds. Is it like officiating? Lane was it like was officiating that probably cost Tennessee the game, a chance to upset Ole Miss. Okay. Now, also this week, as we go into the golf ball game, they had already been completely smacked around by Alabama. That has not happened just because of the schedule this year. Now, they were smacked around by Alabama. They also gave up 51 points to Arkansas and won by one point in a shootout game. It was a fantastic game to watch. Okay. Kind of a K. That was fun. It's kind of like a KJ coming out game for a lot of people. So. This is all shaping up that this is basically the same year as last year. It's just that the better opponents are set back in the calendar. Is every everything I've said so far fair, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. As far as the next the next five months, we just have to play the lane game. It's kind of similar to, and I talked about this again on the Patreon on Sunday night. There's the Jim Harbaugh game. There's the the reckoning of Jim Jim Harbaugh. As my co-host and I were discussing on the phone last week, uh, comparing notes. 
you just have to account for Jim Harbaugh's idiosyncratic interest or not interest in the NFL every single cycle until something changes. That's fair. Lane, by virtue of his sort of trolling persona, you have to account for the fact that, one, the mentality of Ole Miss not being a top-tier job, and two, that Lane will be considered or kicked around for all these jobs as they open. You have to sort of always play this game with Ole Miss, okay? And I thought a lot about this because there's been a lot of pushback against people like me who cap Ole Miss, and I do it with an extreme amount of knowledge and experience. But there's that mentality, and people are asking, well, what, you know, why does this exist? Why can't Ole Miss do this? Why can't Ole Miss? Because, by the way, Tennessee is now telling – you know, I live in Nashville, so I don't know if you guys know this, but Tennessee's now a – like, they're going to win three in the next five national titles. Did you know that? I text – so I'm going to be in Knoxville next weekend. Okay. My agent went to Tennessee and I texted him and I was like, yo, you're going to be in Knoxville next week. And he's got season tickets. He was like, you know, honestly, I'm kind of saving for an SEC championship. Oh, that's good to know. That's good to know. You guys are unbelievable. You guys are unbelievable. You're kidding me because I understand. Alex bought a, but I'm like, Alex I, bought a boat happening. in the Vol Navy. Did you guys know that? Okay. So why so why is that mentality? You know, what what numerically represents that mentality for a program like Ole Miss? Because they have so many advantages right now. They do have Lane Kiffin for the moment. They do have an NIL program that's working. They are allowed for all their rich white racist boosters to actually pay their kids now and not have an entire saga and a documentary made by some asshole. So why is it? What why does this mentality persist? Since the creation of divisions in the SEC in the modern era of college football started, Ole Miss only has one instance of finishing with back-to-back winning seasons in SEC play. One time. They won five games in 2014 and they won six in 2015. Guess what? Those are vacated by the NCAA. Because that was the peak before the cliff of Hugh Freeze. So that's since 92. They are 3-0, by the way. They had a winning record last year. And if You get where I'm setting you up for. In the next two years, you basically have to go back and figure out, one, Where's does Lane exist in this program? And two, what is the pace of NIL funding? Their development of that, what's the overall number? And then what's the strength of Auburn and LSU specifically? It's not just head-to-head, right? They lost to Auburn last year on their way to the Sugar Bowl. They'll probably lose to LSU this weekend. I got a feeling. But that's a 50-50 game. Even the ESPN thing last night, they had it at 51% LSU. It's in Baton Rouge. Like that's yes, that I agree with. Yes, I agree with that. Um it's it's recruiting, it's NIL, it's high school and portal development. You can't have these expectations and results every single year for 14 teams. And that's basically what exists in the SEC. So there will be years where you retract. There just will be. Also, two years from now, gentlemen, this is a great example of a school that's going to change its identity based on its proximity to playoff eligibility. And that's a world of difference between 4 and 12. So did anything I just say, was that ridiculously negative – or on brand for me to shit on my alma mater. That was honest, right? Yeah, honest. So just just to pin you down on this, when does he leave, Lane? He might not be able to, but I want to talk about that. We'll talk about that on an upcoming show, splitzonduo.com. It's just always going to exist. I really do think if you're looking for a thumbnail way to understand this, if you are at peace, and I think a lot of Michigan fans are, with knowing that every time there's an NFL cycle, Jim Harbaugh's name is going to emerge, whether or not it has legitimacy, or he's going to dick around with the Vikings for three weeks, I would apply that to one Lane Kiffin. Not the NFL okay. part. Not the Fair NFL. Enough. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Don't, somebody's going to clip that the wrong way. Not the NFL part. College jobs. College jobs. 
I'm taking Tennessee here. Uh, I don't know if y'all have heard that they're, they're 6-0. They haven't lost any games. Uh, next five weeks, a dream. Enjoy them. Have fun. Uh, take care of your business. Uh, I think that the big fear here is going to be Kentucky. Like, I think if Tennessee fans were to be told, oh, you might lose to Georgia, and then, you know, you're sitting at 11-1 and one and you hope you, you hope you find your way in, I think they might be okay with that. I think the real blow – Hey, you guys are both from the SEC's geographic footprint. Is it fair to say that the real blow for Tennessee fans would be if Kentucky beat them in two weeks? Oh hey, yeah, there yeah. is. I I have brought I have brought this up to multiple uh, mm-hmm. to multiple Tennessee fans in my orbit, both that I work with at the network that I just talked to. Again, I, I told you my agent went to Tennessee. Era is a Tennessee fan. Everybody is like, oh, there's no way. Ah, there's no way. It's Kentucky, which is a very SEC, particularly a very SEC East way of thinking. Trust me. Um, I, buddy, Mark Stoops off a of bye would like nothing more. Nothing more than to ruin your perfect little feels like 98 season. See you next weekend. Uh, Tennessee, by the way, very shrewdly, Richard, you've noted this, scheduled UTM for this upcoming weekend. So Yeah, Tennessee is also on a buy not, this week. Not quite a buy, but That's close University enough. of Tennessee at Martin, if you don't know. It's yeah. a, a tiny, tiny FCS town. Like, it's between Memphis and Nashville. Um, but that's that's your deal for the rest of this regular season is – do not lose a game to a non-Georgia. That's that's the goal here. I think obviously. I mean, obviously, you'd like to beat Georgia too, but you understand where I'm where I'm going at here. Uh, next five months also kind of fascinating though. Remember, Josh Heupel, after a very good first year in Knoxville, got an, got an extension. They extended him one year in uh, because that's the way that it works now in college football. If you have if you're in the SEC, because of what Godfrey was just talking about, do you extend him again? The answer might be yes. Is this silly? Also, yes. Yes, yes, but it is. It's just it's just the state of the industry. Uh, at some point in the coming months, whether it's the next, I don't know, five months and it fits our game or not, they're going to have to adjudicate this NCAA stuff that's left over from Jeremy Pruitt. Uh, that might, might, probably will in some in some format, even though this is very silly at this point, involve some sanctioning. Uh, and Josh Heupel has an escalator in his contract that, calls for an automatic extension uh, if any of that happens. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if that even still applies after he signed an extension last offseason. But the point is, this guy has like the most secure job in college football, and he's about to have an even more secure job. I don't think there's really much choice for Tennessee, given kind of the politics of this stuff. Like They have to do whatever to keep this guy happy for a while, or at least they're going to think they have to. And I... I can't really dispute it because someone probably would hire him if, uh, you know, at some point in the next year or two, if if Tennessee didn't do that. Again, very healthy industry from a school perspective, but it's going to be really interesting to see how Danny White, the athletic director at Tennessee, handles Josh Heupel's contractual situation after this year. Because whoever is Josh Heupel's agent is going to believe that Josh Heupel should be paid more than he's being paid uh, and should be given a buyout that is even more impenetrable than it is right now. I mean, I also am very curious about how, and and maybe this is more of a next two years discussion or transitions us to the next two years discussion, is how they parlay this success mm-hmm. with the roster building. We understand we understand Tennessee's uh, collective is very loud, but yeah, we also understand it is pretty organized. By the way, it is. Um, now, 
how you continue to stock this roster. Again, it's a future conversation. Um, should we note who actually recruited basically all this defense? Yeah. Or is that just something we don't really not just talk the defense? About? Not just the defense. Like Jeremy Pruitt left Darnell right there for Josh Heupel as well. Um and several other players on Tennessee's offense. It, it's look, no one is going to give this guy any, any credit because uh, why because would he you? Handed I mean, out cash he, in a locker room yeah, in a fucking yeah. McDonald's bag, you fucking <laughs> rookie. Um, <laughs> like I understand that, but uh, I, he might have been he might have been a pretty good bridge coach despite being kind of insufferable. I I, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I do think where Tennessee's at though is is pretty fascinating for me because of you know we talk about the offense the offense the offense which means you're going to talk about oh Jalen Hyatt had five touchdowns against Tennessee or uh, against Alabama remember like this offense is working right now because they can run the ball really well yeah and their if offensive line can run, let them do that yes if you're not running the ball well. I don't really have to respect the run, yeah. which means I can devote more resources to the pass, yep. which means the pass becomes a little bit more of a different different proposition. Remember, this offense really makes you choose. It makes you choose formationally. It makes you choose with where, where and how you allocate bodies, all that kind of stuff. I think Tennessee's offense is fascinating because of that, because they are running the ball effectively and well. On defense, that front will get after you. Now, secondary... Hmm. Um, but <laughs> up front, that defense up front, that defense will get after you. Um, Maybe we're just seeing it's it's okay. not it ain't it ain't built on nothing, man. Like it it, it ain't built on nothing. The, the next the, what, two. the way to damn the sorry the way to damn them with faint praise is that this Tennessee team is so perfect right now because they are the intersection of Heupel's offense with the correct personnel and a wonderful quarterback. But as Richard just pointed out. The other side of that intersection is Pruitt's recruiting to an above average defense and really good line play. So if that's an intersection, it means one's waxing and one's, you know. I I don't even think that's faint praise, though, because at the end of the day, like well, what I'm saying is that it, is, can Hypel can, can do that second part? Sure. And this is but this is the blueprint for this offense to work, right? Offense basically as good as any offense in the country besides what's happening in Columbus, Ohio. Yes, definitely. Then, Second best in the nation. Av- then average defense or or slightly above average defense. Like that's all you need. So Ole Miss. Theoretically. They're, they're better than Ole Miss, but it's the same, roughly the same strokes. Well, right. But what, what I'm trying to get across is that this is not like there's no smoke and mirrors going on here. Like no, it, this no, is the blueprint no. for this kind of offense and this kind of system. And there was a lot of, it th- is the there was a lot of slagging off of him instantly when he got hired, that he wouldn't be able to do this in this league. And it's basically this, it's a carbon copy of what they said about leech. And it turns out you can run those systems. If you have good line play and you have decent defense in the sec, if you recruit to the sec's caliber of those positions, you can run these systems that are quote unquote gimmicks. We've now seen Alex, that. Who just beat Alex? Who just beat Mississippi State? Oh boy, Kentucky. Yeah, 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 yeah. I like yeah. it. In it, I, yeah. I have somehow, and I don't even realize how I incepted him. I got Richard on the Kentucky train hard. I can't uh, figure out how I did that. 
The, well, uh, they got a quarterback, and then they held Florida to like 13 points on the road last oh, year. Oh, so beat, next so two beat years, Florida's next ass. Two years. That's how you get him. <laughs> oh, okay, cool. <laughs> recruiting is good Go for Tennessee hope. right now. They're recruiting well, which isn't surprising. <laughs> uh, there is a question of just like what happens when Hendon Hooker's not there anymore because he is God's perfect quarterback for this. You know, like I see. I you know the funny thing is, I'm actually as that's like the least thing I'm worried about, man. Yeah, I would like, agree. The, 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 you, yeah, Josh Heupel should be able to swing into any yep. high school. You can find that college yeah, so, or high you school. You can find that body in the country yeah. and just yeah. yeah cut the film yeah. on and say, Bubba, come on. Yeah, uh, Richard, take us to Westwood. Uh, UCLA is also six and oh. Um, I, I don't know what to think about Saturday. They play Oregon. Um, that is a toss up. Um, but if they win that game, they will, they are heading into the USC game on the 19th undefeated. Just get ready for that. So watch that space. Um, UCLA, I think is, so we talked about, uh, and this is, this kind of ties into the next five months and the next two years discussion with this team. UCLA is a very old football team, college football team. Like all these guys are fourth year, fifth year, which means everybody's got weird extra years. It's the Chrysler. It's the Chrysler Pacifica team. I like it. But but they built it the class classic way they built it, right? They, you know, guys build together and they have had actually fairly linear progress as a team, considering this year that they are undefeated. They went eight four last year. This is also points to a you know, the, the conversation was had about Chip Kelly. Chip Kelly got a kind of extension um, in January last year. It, it also, like, I, I don't think Chip Kelly was ever in hot water with Martin Germond in that ad- administration. But I think it shows that, like, you don't have to fire your guy if it doesn't go well the first couple seasons. Yes. You're like, true. you're allowed to give somebody time now. UCLA is a different story because of where they are and that it's a basketball school, yada, yada, yada. But like you're allowed to give somebody time because it can work and it is working right now. Um, I thought Chip was washed. I did not think Chip had a second act in him after. He I got still back don't know how he's doing this, by the way. Like, like in terms of because every he, uh, Richard, I would triple down on the washed part because in the in the coaching gossip world. It is 100%. He ain't got it anymore. The game, the, the the whole Chip Kelly innovator thing is long gone. He has been he has been passed by and lapped on the track. So I don't know exactly but how this I, is happening. I, but I don't think that holds anymore. And I'm excited to see them in a in a legitimate spot on Saturday uh, against Oregon. I would shout out South Alabama here. If you don't go for one of the world's worst fakes, you probably win this game. And we're, and and UCLA is not undefeated. Richard, do you think that ultimately UCLA? will sign up for this for you know the kind of extension that will take them well into the Big Ten? I think so because again, like they were not disenfranchised with him. I think everybody understood, hey, we're adults here. Let's let's kick into another gear. And uh, at the end of last season. Um yeah, I mean I could definitely see it happening. They I know they want football to be good. They're, they're like, yeah, they're not just going to sit here and or, let football waste didn't away. They, Richard, didn't they remember when he got hired? We kept hearing 
about how he gave them not mandates, but almost like sort of uh, blueprints and instructions that were like 10 year plans on facilities and development and uh, everything from like nutrition to analysts. And UCLA kind of went into that agreement with him that like, we're not handing all of this to you in 12 months, but we are going long term to sort of build around this blueprint that you've given us on how to, I don't want to say be a faux Oregon. I, I think that's dismissive, but just upgrade and modernize and be be a serious big boy about football. And that always struck me as they're going to be patient with him and they're going to sort of walk the line with him through good and bad. Don't schedule Cincinnati. You lost those two games. Like some of those years past now look a little smarter and better. Like we can understand <laughs> them better now. Still don't know how he's doing it. While we're talking about UCLA and making big investments, have I ever told you guys about home field apparel? Go on. No. Well, Homefield Apparel is our longest standing podcast business partner. And this week, this week only, there is a special Homefield collection of UCLA stuff that is on a 15% discount. Uh, UCLA's collection is one of my favorites that Homefield has. We only pick favorites for these shirts of the week. I actually got a few of these shirts for uh, a, a couple of family members who are currently living out the UCLA dream. Uh, if you go to homefieldapparel.com, slash collections slash scd hyphen x hyphen ucla or just go to our twitter split zone duo it's pinned right there you will see these shirts they're 15 percent off if you use the code westwood one word westwood uh you don't just have to do that uh, if you've never ordered from home field before the promo code scd20 will take 20 percent off of your first order whatever it may be uh, don't believe you can you can combine those offers but you know, you take what you can get. Uh, a lot of opportunity out here. You can get Split Zone Duo stuff there. Google Split Zone Duo Home Field. It will come right up. Thank you very much to the finest, the finest premium vintage collegiate apparel provider, Godfrey. Have you all seen the new Marshall shirt? It's 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 insane. It's so good. I, so I uh, first college football game I ever went to was at Marshall. I think it was 85. Um I've always kind of had a soft spot for him. Uh, my family was stationed there for a couple of years. It's a hard place with hard people, and they really are passionate about that brand. And I was up there last week for the Nokian road trip, and I wore the – I have the uh, another awesome Marshall Homefield T-shirt that's just the outline of the state with the old 70s M inside of it. This new one, the black one specifically, the black Marshall T-shirt, just go look it up at Homefield. It may be one of the best they've done for any school ever. It's that good. It's amazing. Stephen Godfrey, and thank you very much to Homefield. Stephen Godfrey, I want to move now to the teams that are having very bad years and that are interesting to us in terms of what they are doing going forward. Arkansas State is two and five. This is the second terrible year in a row for them under Butch Jones, something that in aggregate, probably surprises a lot of people. Definitely surprises me. Tell us about it. Next five weeks, next five months, next two years. Yeah, I pitched this one to Alex because I think on the surface, it it doesn't represent what might actually be going on. Emphasis on might. Okay? Emphasis on might. Uh, Sometimes, you know, we... I don't think this segment, Alex, was necessarily to pick apart the good teams and then try and, well, actually these bad teams. But there's a lot going on here in Jonesboro. Um, right now, they're two and five. They had one of their players or one of their alumni, I think, on Twitter. I saw this just sort of in a blur guarantee a bowl game this year, which uh, mm, mm, mm. Uh, you're two mm. and five. Your remaining schedule is Louisiana Lafayette, South Alabama, UMass, Texas State, and Troy. You might win two of those. And you, by the way, if you do and you win two of those and you finish with four wins, 
that's double the amount of wins that you had last year in Butch's first season. So um, if you don't know, Arkansas State, before the Sun Belt became the Sun Beast, had a tradition of winning seasons for nine straight years under the run of Hugh Freeze, Gus Malzahn, Brian Harson, and Blake Anderson. They had nine straight. Um, they also spent in that process a ton of money by G5 standards, and it looks like a P5 facility to build around the program. When you go to Jonesboro and you're a short drive from Memphis, they have been very mindful to create something that is appealing to football players. They've done that successfully. When you do that in the G5, there's an expectation that comes with that, and and the patience level might be different. Okay, so we'll leave it at that. We'll leave it at that. Now. So let's let's do the worst case scenario. Let's say they win four. Um, this really comes down to a bigger question I have, and I've kicked this around on some of the patron shows, and I've asked y'all off the air, like, what is the new patience level for these Sunbelt coaches? Because we're seeing this land rush at the top of the conference where you have so many good programs that are all trying to make noise. This is a conference that now is trying to supplant the American as the best G5 in the country, and there's a chance they can do it because of the access they have to the athletes in the places that they are. All right. To that end, I think Arkansas State doesn't have as much of a natural advantage um, as geographically, but they have done all the work to maintain the advantage by going out into Texas, going into the city of Memphis, et cetera, et cetera. So that's not an issue. They have made this a destination gig. They've made this in terms of, of coming in either as a portal transfer or as a high school player that's in that sort of two and three star tweener spot. And you don't really get a, a P5 look. Now, the difference between this and something like Southern Miss, Will Hall has been clear from the start, and I think the public has received that message accordingly in the media as well, that Southern Miss, is they're not rebuilding. They are building. There are so many things that Southern Miss did in spite of themselves in the 90s and the aughts. Arkansas State didn't. They were successful, and they built around it. So the expectation level might be different, but the reality might actually be the same here. Um, so the, here's the good spots here. They signed the top Arkansas State. They signed the top signing class in the Sun Belt last year under Butch Jones. They're number two right now behind App State in October going in, and they're going to try and push for the number one spot again. It seems like, and I'm not saying they they take portal transfers. Uh, they they took a portal transfer from Vanderbilt. They took a portal transfer from Houston. They take portal transfers. They are not trying to build around portal transfers to get this thing moving quicker than. In, in other words, they're not trying to close this gap quickly. It seems like, based on the people I have spoken with, that Arkansas State understands there was a noticeable decline under Blake Anderson down the stretch. Blake Anderson never had the explosive success. The other thing is this. Let me back up before I talk about Blake Anderson. Y'all have never, y'all in the in the greater listening audience, will never see something as weird and successful as one year of Hugh Freeze, huge, huge successful season, he leaves. One year of Gus Malzahn, successful season, he leaves. One year of Brian Harson, the same thing. And they kept it going. That will... I always forget Hugh Freeze was there. He, that was his only year of FBS coaching before he got an SEC head coaching job. He went from Lambeth. That's quite interesting. He went from Lambeth quite to Arkansas State in one year. And then that's when he got caught texting the wrong Archie Manning. Oh, that's not a joke. When he was trying to openly lobby at Arkansas State for the open Ole Miss job, he texted the wrong Archie Manning, who then like gave his information to the local paper in New Orleans. So Hugh Freeze and texting have always been a have always been a fun thing. Um 
all this is to say, I don't know how much time Butch has to turn it around. It seems like the administration and the coaching staff are in lockstep with one another, that this is going to be more of a rebuild than the public acknowledges and that things slipped under Blake Anderson. Do we have to acknowledge why things probably slipped under Blake Anderson? He lost his wife to cancer and there was a... They basically fell from being a perennial top Sunbelt team as App came in, as Coastal emerged, and they, they floated around that seven and sp- five spot. During the pandemic, they had a sub-500 season, and then Blake was hired away. And one of, one of kind of the weirder transitions in college football, he wasn't going to get fired from Arkansas State. He got hired at Utah State for more money. That job pays more money than Arkansas State, by the way. Um, and it has, I think it has a bigger overall budget as well. He did this because he needed a change of pace. He needed a change he, he because of his wife passing away, et cetera. And this was sort of acknowledged by all parties. Butch Jones comes in and basically says, allegedly, to everyone in the administration, we're going to have to kind of rebuild this from the bottom. The roster's not in good shape. There are transfers out, all that kind of stuff. It seems like everyone's on the page right now. All of this is great, except for the fact this program has Sunbelt title expectations based on their spending. They will not tolerate three sub-500 seasons, okay? This looks like a young team. It's one of those where, like, I saw Butch in his press conferences doing a very Butch thing, which is like, we did research, and we are actually the third youngest roster. And It's like, that's a double-edged sword to come out with that publicly because then it looks like you're making excuses, although that might just be the reality. They're losing close games. They lost a one-point game to Southern Miss last week. There are a ton of underclassmen working as new starters. All that being said, they better win minimum seven, eight games next year. So you think he will get a shot to do that? He is based not on getting fired like. this year. Understood. Uh, Richard, Mainly, take us- honestly, just TLDR, they're recruiting so well for, for the Sun Belt and for where he's at. Like they want to give him time to put his players in, in a development system. So that would be a, that is a show me proof of concept year three immediately. That's what that translates to. Heard it before? Yes, it's exactly. Worked before. Sometimes, yeah. it, sometimes it doesn't. It, uh, Richard, t- take us to East Lansing uh, and the three and four Michigan State Spartans. Okay, so look, you're not beating Michigan. You might not beat Illinois next week. Um, you could. You could because that offense is what it is. Um, but then f- for that, you uh, after that, you have Rutgers, Indiana, Penn State. I don't know. Don't lose all three of those. You, you could lose all three of those. You could win all three of those. I don't know. Um, the next five months, I think, are the crucial point here, right? Recruit your ass off. They're not going to build that. Not they're not going to build, but they don't really want to build through the portal. Mel Tucker has already said that he said it before Kenneth Walker did what Kenneth Walker did last year, which not to be simplistic, but I think masked what they were last year, particularly on offense. Yes. Um, so they got to go high school heavy um, or, or at least, let the high school talent that they do have had have matriculate through the program, get older and get ready to play the next two years though. Like look, you're talking to a person who is never not going to be in favor of generational wealth being accumulated by a black man through legal means, but you did not have to pay him $95 million. Walker made $90 million last year for another human being. Yeah. Good way to put it, Richard. Good way to put it. Not, have to pay him that much there is a quote from an article i found just to put it in perspective and i quote 
the $95 million contract, which is fully guaranteed, is the third largest ever given to a college football coach by a public university behind Kirby Smart and Brian Kelly. Mel Tucker needs to write a a million-dollar check to the LSU General Scholarship Fund. So I, just, I know what you're talking about there, and I think cow. I think most people who are listening, if you're listening to the show, you get that. But Godfrey, can you? Because I think it is a good. I think you're right. Show your work on LSU. Show your work on LSU making Mel Tucker all of this money. LSU and scared the also shit out the entire. LSU industry. scared the shit out of Michigan State yeah, in the middle I of a. I don't want to call it a unicorn year because that would imply that it didn't exist or an outlier, <laughs> or unicorn year, whatever. They were red hot last year, as you remember. This was on the heels of beating Michigan. They were having a year. I don't think any of this speaks negatively to Tucker. Tucker played the market, and God knows how many times. God, Tucker secured the bag. Damn right. Like, he did. And, and you know what? Any one of us will do that same damn thing for a stupid media company. Hit my reps up, okay? He did everything <laughs> correctly, okay? Did Is he now overvalued? Fucking probably, but that's okay. Um, LSU started to show interest in Tucker. Now, do you want Alex? Do you want the real? The, the real thing is this: the power. Well, the real thing is they have young boosters who want everybody to know they have money. Are you talking about? Oh, you sorry, I went in the real direction on LSU. You were talking about Michigan State. Yes, what yes, Richard said Michigan is State absolutely correct. LSU under yeah. Scott Woodward wants to tell you that they they floated in on a cloud after dismissing that unruly Ed Ogeron, and they always wanted Brian Kelly, and that shit ain't true at all. Brian Kelly was way down that list. They struck out huge on a couple other options, and they went to market later than they thought they would have to. When they were in market, one of the names that kept coming up was Tucker, and that interest alone scared Michigan State enough into this Whopper contract, which, uh, guys, honestly, this is before we found out that you know the Big Ten television contract would be quite as deep. We knew it would be good. We didn't know it would be quite this good. It, it's still a hundred million dollars. Like, I think all, everything what? is true Come here. On. Like you can afford it. This is overvalued. Tucker did absolutely nothing wrong. Congrats, sir. Richard, the question I have for you on Michigan State: super lazy narrative, knee jerk reaction in the coaching community, and also just like maybe older talking heads was, you can't build a program out of a portal. No one said that. No one said that. So everyone's coming around taking a victory on that. Did we, we did not say last year that you can portal your way to success season by season, did we? Long term. And again, I want to be clear. Mel Tucker never said that either. Yes. <laughs> Mel Tucker never said that. Everybody like, he, got he, a chapped ass because they, they had success with portal players in a way they weren't supposed to. And all of a sudden, that that, that was lazy narrative. You've already said it. Already. We can move on. He has to have... A better approach in high school recruiting, and then they, they have to develop those guys, and they have to do it the traditional way. Right. Portal and, is a complementing. Right. And next, you know, we could be sitting here next this time next year, and they've got a bunch of young pups that they brought through the program and matriculated through, and they're in a much better spot. But they are where they are right now. Also, if you have ninety five million guaranteed, you know what you do? You burn some equity and you play some young kids because <laughs> what are they going to do? <laughs> they ain't going to fire you. They can't fire you. Uh, Penn State, same boat. Uh, Michigan, same boat. The Big Ten had quite, quite an, ex- quite a season of extensions last year that will result in those coaching staffs looking a lot like they do now for a very long time. Uh, speaking of that conference, Wisconsin is three and four. The next five weeks are straightforward, right? It's an evaluation of Jim Leonard, probably followed by just hiring him. Seems to be the conventional wisdom, but maybe not a sure, sure thing, but pretty likely. Uh, and then the next five months is interesting too because 
and I want to shout out some some good reporting that I read the other week about this. I think the big thing is going to be recruiting infrastructure and building that back up after Paul Christ was pretty derelict in maintaining it during his time at Wisconsin. So I think that's going to be Jim Leonard's job, but even if it's not, Jesse Temple at The Athletic wrote a very good story about this uh, based on a lot of reporting and some interviews with families of recruits and people like that, that basically said, though there was a lot of detail to it, that as rival programs had sort of beefed up their staffing operations in their recruiting departments, Paul Christ wasn't doing that. He was having people who weren't suited for that type of, of work doing that work. Um, and he wasn't innovating on his staff. He never fired an assistant. He was just kind of sticking by his people in a way that didn't work. Um, there's a reported episode in there where a late blooming prospect, the kind of player who Wisconsin has historically done well with, was on campus at Camp Randall for a visit at a game and nobody went to talk to him. Nobody Boy. knew anything about him. And that player wound up going to Michigan and now plays as a freshman at Michigan. Fixing that is, I think, the fundamental thing for Jim Leonard or whoever. Like, spoiler, if Jim Leonard's the coach at Wisconsin, he's going to fix the defense. You know, like Wisconsin under Jim Leonard is going to be good at defense. They'll figure it out. Uh, they should be better than they've been on the offensive line. They should be better than they've been at quarterback because they'll finally make the change that they've had to make for two or three years and, and Chris didn't make. So that's what you have to do over the next five. Like that's offseason one, goal one for Wisconsin, I think, obviously. Uh, next two years are especially cloudy here. And this is one where it's really going to hurt when whenever the Big Ten goes away from divisions. That fundamentally changes the outlook for Wisconsin because you can no longer reasonably expect to make the conference championship game unless you're having a real dream season. Uh, so I think you need to be back in a position of strength before that happens because if you're just a average Big Ten West program and then the Big Ten West goes away, you could get lost in the sauce pretty quickly if you're not in a good place when those divisions go away. Uh, I think it's a precarious time for Wisconsin. Not saying it's doomed, but it's precarious. A lot of important work in the next five, six months, and certainly the next two years. Is anyone buying any Western Division program as those divisions split, or not split as they as they actually emerge? Sorry, buying in what way? Like the the, the near term future. I mean, not not insofar as I don't think they'll compete for Big Ten titles. Right, but, but which which you can they still do, be good, which they no, do now. Like yeah. Wisconsin, but you can yeah, still do it. You, I, I think the only way it happens is if Wisconsin is back in a position of strength in a year or two. Like you need Wisconsin to be a really good program again, or I just don't think it's going to happen. Um, I don't know. Does anyone disagree with any of that? No, I, I, we don't. Alex, you have two teams back to back. Would you like me to do mine to give you a breather? Yeah, do yours. Take it, and then I'll come back to. I was going to do Big Ten, Big Ten, but give me a breather. You take it, and I'll be. I'll be right here. Sure. Uh, Boston College. They are two and four in the next five weeks. Um, well, they get to play UConn. <laughs> By the way, we had you got to play UConn. We had, Congrats. We had a patron question about is Jim Mora good? I'll deal with you later. Um, otherwise, <laughs> if you're not if you're not playing UConn, Boston College, you got three ranked teams. Uh, it's uh, you also have in addition to three ranked teams, you got Duke, who's pretty salty. And the Notre Dame. Uh, so you can expect a losing season here, by the way. Um, 
I want to bring something up before we talk about the five weeks thing and the five months thing and the two years thing, Richard. Their wins last year. We, by the way, I'll set I'll set the table. Richard, you and I heard a lot of positive buzz about this hire, about Jeff Halfley, and about how it fit Boston College and what they needed. Fair to say? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it definitely went well last year. Yeah. So here's their six their six wins last year. Four of them came against teams that fired their coach either that season or in the middle of this one. Georgia Tech, Virginia Tech, Temple, UMass. And then they also beat like Missouri, which what's that worth at home? So it's a suspect six wins, and it might mask some of the bigger issues that are going on with Chestnut Hill, which is not to say you shouldn't have won those games. But much like you're saying with Kenneth Walker and Michigan State, sometimes that successful first year is actually really going to hit you in the face when you're in and when you're in a wholesale rebuild. Okay, they are uh, 120th in EPA per play, and they have struggled tremendously, especially on offensive line, but also the defensive front as well. They are just flat out bad because they lost a bunch of players in the offensive line. This is also a like crazy injured team right now. Uh, Phil Dracovich has suffered because of he basically just doesn't have pass protection whatsoever. Um, there's a stat out there in PFF essentially like and I mean, I, I guess I can read it out loud if it really matters. But basically, when he's under pressure, he's just simply not he's not performing because he's just being harangued. Uh, they had three. They had their top three running backs out against Clemson. Basically, their backfield was out against Clemson. So, some of this is just. And I think Zay like Zay Flowers has been kind of not up and down, but like Zay Flowers had the God. Who did they play? They played like two weeks ago, and Zay Flowers went crazy. Louisville. But besides that, and like a game in like week one, he hasn't really been what they've needed him to be. Which is not to say he's not talented. Yeah. It means to say I think they're struggling getting him the ball. Yes, they are. They, they this the, the the backfield is a huge issue because the offensive line is so bad. Plus. They have injury, just bad injury luck right now. Okay. Um, the good thing is this. So, so that's this season, and th- that's how this season is almost certainly going to play out. This is not a team because of the injuries and just because of the depth issues and the way the units are performing that's going to turn it around, especially with that schedule. You can write them off this year, which I don't really think matters a whole lot. In the next five months, Halfley got some buzz for recruiting, specifically recruiting to Boston College. They were sixth in the ACC last year. They're ninth currently. I don't put a lot of stock in the the current recruiting numbers because it's October. Uh, BC is not ever going to explode in the recruiting rankings. They're just not built that way, and they're kind of not supposed to be. Um, But they could certainly benefit right now from some portal buzz. And this is one of those schools that I would like to see prove a stigma wrong, which is that if you are a uh, school with high academic standards – and not the sexiest instant sort of like land grant school five star bait. Can you work the portal to your favor? BC would be a good case study in this because I know people at Vanderbilt are going to be watching. I know people at uh, Northwestern are going to be watching, et cetera, and so on. So they really need to do that because the expectations at BC, at least in the fans who are very dedicated to the program, is that they need to be better than this and they need to show a development proof of concept because they are. I think with arms crossed right now, understanding they're not going to see it on the field this year or maybe even early next. Uh, next two years, I mean, he, Halfley was hired for a teardown, a rebuild. Whether or not that was communicated completely, I think is that's up to Boston College. And that's kind of why you use the media is to communicate what actually is going on. Again, shout out to Florida. Shout out to Bill Napier. Shout out to doing it right. Um, did he hurt his case ultimately by winning that those shaky six games in his first season? Probably. 
do you not win the game? No, of course you don't. Um, those results masked issues. Now he might be forced to show. He, I really think this this might be a case of he's a really well-respected recruiting development guy, good defensive coordinator in Ohio State. He is a first-time head coach. Will he change assistance? Will they? Will we see on-field tweaks in terms of scheme and that kind of stuff? These are the kind of things you start. These are the questions you ask of a first-time head coach exiting a disappointing year two. This is like how how do you take that next step up? Not necessarily as a ball coach, but as that CEO and as that diplomat. Um, I think the overall arc here is completely to be determined. I could see this thing swinging. You're talking about two years from now, we'll have a referendum year on Halfley. I think that's a reasonable amount of time at a place like Boston College. But in that referendum year, in two seasons from now, in 24, I could see it going either way completely. I could also see it going either way completely. Uh, odd situation on the Hill this year. Back to the Big Ten to close us out with this with this exercise. Indiana's three and four. Uh, next five weeks, in my opinion, are going to be painful. They're going to be an underdog in every game they play. And if they can't beat Rutgers this week, then obviously a bowl is gone. But I think you're looking maybe at not winning another game. Um, you're looking at po- possibly three and nine, maybe four and eight. Um, five and seven would be shockingly impressive if they could pull that off in that event. Uh, I don't think they're very good. I've had some worries about this team from early in the season. So the next five months, uh, again, here are going to be pretty fascinating. And let's let's work through this together fellas so it's a it's decision time it's a tough one um at least to me it's tough but it might not be that tough to indiana i don't know uh tom allen is regarded as a really good guy the 2020 indiana team with the love each other mantra was a was a great time likable team good team in the weirdest year in memory of college football he followed Kevin Wilson. What do we remember about Kevin Wilson's personality at Indiana? Got him fired. Wasn't the nicest guy in the world, to put it very mildly, uh, according to people who were there. I don't want to overstate, or I don't want to understate, I should say, how valuable it is to just be a pleasant person and how much that can help your job security. Like that's can get a long way in this life just being a good hang. Look at Clay Helton hanging at USC for as long as as long as he did. Like don't embarrass your bosses, be cool to be around. It helps you. Uh but 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 they're terrible. They are they're 3 and 4. I think that they should air quote should in terms of how they've played have more losses than than they do. Uh, they were eight and five in 2019, six and two in 2020. That happened. That all counts. But he is 15 and 28 in his other four years, including the two most recent ones. And the best year was the weirdest year, where we've talked a million times about all of the variability that season. And they're just bad. Like you have to watch them to see it. They play bad football. They play losing football. They let a backup quarterback who didn't complete a pass lead a couple of touchdown drives to beat them in their in their own building last weekend. Uh, with Maryland. If they move on, and I don't know that they would, the name that will come up a lot is Kane Womack at South Alabama. He's a former DC for Allen. My educated impression is that a name that would get more push from the fan base would be Justin Fry, who is an Indiana alum, former GA, who had been with Chip at UCLA and is now assistant head coach offensive line at Ohio State. Either way, Allen, if he stays, has to figure out his staff. They recently fired their O-line coach who had been kind of a lightning rod for the fan base. Uh, he was you know, a, a close friend of Allen's and the fan base. A lot of them felt that he had hung around for too long on that basis. 
The thing about Tom Allen is that his buyout is massive uh, because they extended him. They bought high on the 2020 season. To fire him even at the end of next year would be like $20 million or north of that. And that's at the end of next year. Um, On the one hand, that should be prohibitive for now. But on the other hand, that means if you're going to keep doing this, you're probably going to keep doing this into at least 2024 um, and really hope you see something. I'm not seeing something. They're last in the Big Ten in recruiting. So it's a really tough situation right now in terms of figuring out what Indiana should do. I asked someone smart about Indiana affairs about this the other day. Old Indiana, like the Indiana of five, certainly 10 years ago, you wouldn't even be having this discussion about whether you would pay $20 million to fire a coach based on two bad seasons in football. Uh, You would talk about that in basketball, and they have done that recently in basketball, but not in football. I don't know either way if the Big Ten's TV money and if Indiana wanting to show they're serious about football would be enough for them to make a change now because Tom Allen is well-liked and he's brought brought them to some pretty good highs for Indiana football. But I'm telling you, they're really bad. The recruiting right now is not good. The best proof of concept the last three years was in the weirdest season in recent times in ever since World War II in the sport. And they're bad. And also the alternative might be to pray that he portals, like just does a transfer portal thing in 2023 and gets out of it that way. But he's trying that this year and it's not working. Their quarterback came from Missouri. They've got an Auburn running back. They've got Florida State receivers. I don't know. It just, it's a tough, tough spot, in my opinion, for Indiana. I just talked about Indiana for a long time. Uh, yeah, I don't have anything to add, Richard. I, I think just maybe the TLDR here is that we um, we love stories as a collective college football fan base. And when the good story eventually peters out or fades out, we, we tend to hang on to them a little bit too long. And so that might be the case here. Stephen Godfrey, as we move to the tasting menu, I want to first tell people to please go to nokiantires.com slash SCD. That's Nokian with an I, tires with an I. Fill out the college football road trip map. Hundreds of you already have. We love that. Uh, if you do that, every entry, every entry, even if you've already put in a road trip, uh, gets you into a monthly drawing to win a set of Nokian tires, which are fantastic. We all have used them. Uh, they are on our cars, those of us who have them. Godfrey, you drove them through a hellacious rainstorm, those beautiful Nokian all-weathers to Huntington for that Marshall game. I I assume the performance – Yes, the rain – The performance was up up to standard. The rain hit me in the most perilous part of that drive, which was uh, east of Lexington, Kentucky before I got to Marshall. So if you pull that up on a map, I mean it is legit driving through mountains on an interstate. uh, And it was like sheets of rain hitting me. As I crossed the state line and uh, rode beautifully. Really can't give a better testimonial than that, to be honest with you. In a large vehicle, in a minivan, you know, um, minivans are safer than SUVs, a team minivan. Uh, but uh, they, they drove beautifully. It was perfect. And I had a fun road trip. I went to Dinosaur World in Kentucky. I ate Culver's. I ate a full Culver's meal for the first time. Um, what else did I do? Stopped for a lot of Culver's. Stopped, a lot of, yeah, Culver's. Started, stopped for a lot of coffee. Found out that Huntington, West Virginia has three comic book stores all next to each other doing something right marshall um but yeah that was it had a good time nokiantires.com slash szd thank you to nokian richard let's taste it all kickoffs are god's Thanks. time central time uh wednesday as we record this 6 30 espn2 georgia state app 
in Boone. Actually, I got my significant other is going to this college football game without me. Can you believe that? Wow. But like, wait, is she going with friends? She hasn't been. To, yeah, yeah. She or? hasn't been to a college football game in I don't know years, maybe ever, and is going to this one. So, uh, yeah, Man, in I the mix, area, I, in the area, I have mixed feelings about We've this. Got and ties. I have mixed feelings about this and the next game because of the positioning and the time slot and the weeknight stuff. And I just went to a Sun Belt game, the Marshall Louisiana game, on a weeknight. We were telling our Trans Am patrons this during our hangout last night. Uh, Marshall fans were like kind of pissed. Like it, it doesn't, it's not a value add if you're a local dedicated fan. And the difference, the difference between the Sun Belt and some of these other G5 schools is that they were powerhouses in the FCS or one double A. They have actual fan bases. It's not a joke, and they care a lot on weekends. I was raised as a fan of one of these schools and when you throw this shit on Wednesday and, th- and Thursday night, this doesn't, I know this doesn't have anything to do with the football and I want y'all to watch these games because I support the Sun Belt, but it kind of sucks. Um, I don't really know what the, what the solution is here. ESPN is going to do with the inventory what they need to. And I understand it, but um, I definitely think it takes something away. Alex to, just to bridge in the next game is Troy and South Al, which is a huge, huge rivalry game for those schools. They legitimately don't like each other and they'll have a crowd. They just won't have as good a crowd because it's on a Thursday night. Guffrey, you just visited South Alabama, right? You got a elevator pitch for the Jaguars. Um, beat the fucking Giants on Sunday. That's the elevator pitch. Giants <laughs> are fraudulent. Beat the Giants on Sunday. He's talking about Jacksonville. I'm talking about the real Jaguars. Oh, those from oh, South Alabama. Man, he got me on a Jags one. Okay, woo, slipping in my old age. I don't know. Maybe you need a little Atlanta Falcon run game. What's up? Um, so. South Al's elevator pitch is that they are essentially the model to catch the wave of Sunbelt growth. Facilities, investment, they've built a stadium on campus. They built a practice facility next to it. They have all the fields that you need to be down there in the hurricane belt where like Richard knows this growing up in Gainesville, like five, six months a year. Sometimes it will randomly torrentially pour for 45 minutes and then nothing else. They don't have to cancel practice or change anything. They've invested a ton of money in this to go along with the rich recruiting area that they're in. And they're doing everything right right now. Uh, We mentioned Kane Womack already in association with Indiana. I think he could take a Napier approach to this situation. Stick around when the West looks winnable. In the in the Sun Belt in the near future, and maybe contest for a job larger than Indiana. I'm sorry to say that. Go Hoosier. Connor's gonna get mad at me. Mm-mm-mm. Very much so. Uh, Friday seven on CBSSN UAB at Western Kentucky. Very good CUSA game that we will soon not see anymore because, well, that's the <laughs> truth for a lot of conference US, USA games right now. Um, if Western Kentucky wins, then it becomes possible that this is the first of two meetings between these teams and we like wku austin reed the mm-hmm. new bailey zappy you're hearing it more and more saturday at 11 on abc cuse at clemson we've talked about this one i don't think cuse is going to have the juice but nope it's a rank it's a game between two teams that haven't lost you can do a lot worse at 11 a.m central time on a saturday it's fine 11 on espn cincinnati at smu kind of intriguing though i think the fact that it has the noon slot on big espn tells you something about the on-paper quality of this weekend. Mm-hmm. Tw- 12 on ESPN+, Plus, Toledo and Buffalo. This is a preview, looks like it, of the MAC title game. They will play each Man, other now. You, you're jinxing the shit out of Toledo. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny how no one thinks I'm jinxing Buffalo. It's just Toledo. Well, I mean, one <laughs> program has a history and another program has a, a better history of that. Yeah. I'll keep it generic so we can move along. Um, I do think it's a preview of the, of the MAC championship, although, you know, t- we, we've seen Toledo duff it before. 
uh, 1.30 on Peacock, UNLV at Notre Dame, just noting huh. that it did not work out to have this one as the Peacock game. I don't think this one is driving a ton of, of subscriber growth. <laughs> not after last week, it's not. No, uh, at least not as much as as NBC probably hoped that it would. Uh, 2.30 on ESPN2, Memphis at Tulane. Memphis, Ryan Silverfield, dude, you've got to start winning some games. Yeah. UCF is next this after is this really for Memphis. Good. Yep. I'm You're telling like you, God, right, Godfrey, here, so Godfrey's been out for some shows recently while he's been on our business. I listen. Godfrey, I listen. I'm not wrong. If, if Memphis loses a bunch of games in the second half of the season, they're going to fire this guy, right? Um, I'm not going to say yes to that because I need to dig on it. But I mean, there, there there's an expectation not being met here in the wake of Mike Norville and what Memphis boosters believe is available with what not only they have now, but what they want to put towards this program in the future. I have heard that song before from Memphis, both as a city and university, and they are notorious for overpromising and under delivering. You could put that on a fucking road sign as you come into the 901, but um, this is not cutting it. Uh, Tulane has one loss. They have been very good. Their only loss was to Southern Miss. Tough one for them. But they are looking like a threat to play in the AAC title game, which would be awesome. Hell, they're looking like a threat to be the a- the G5's New Year Six Bowl team because it's just There's that a- kind of year right now. Shout out to your to your dead letters, Tulane. Could go back and listen to that because I feel like it becomes more and more relevant as they march on. Uh, there's a fight right now locally in New Orleans between the media and the Tulane fans that the media aren't covering uh, Tulane enough and the media like clap back with this like editorial that a friend of mine sent me like on air about how like uh, it's it's your fault like basically like do what the Picayune or no who? like lo- well this Who's was a local media? television this is like the sports director at one of the local TV stations in New Orleans and so um, it's just good kind of fun mess down there I love that shit especially when it involves a G5 Tulane is doing really well and uh, they do deserve attention Dead Letters. It is our scripted-ish miniseries about squandered potential in college football. We did the first episode about a school president at Tulane in the 1950s who decided to kneecap Tulane football. Hope you enjoy it. Uh, this is my Nokian road trip, by the way. I've been to NOLA in October. I've been there with Richard, as a matter of fact. It's nice. Good time of year to be there. Would be a fun place to be. 2.30, Fox or FS1, I think depending on where you are. UCLA, Oregon. If Oregon wins this game, do we resume... Oregon discourse that had been paused after week one. What discourse? I don't know. Talking about them as, as a really strong next tier down below the top three or four might sneak into the playoff type of team. I think, I mean, they can handle business here. Now remember they'd have to get, uh, they do play Utah again and you will note how that went last year. Um, and then obviously they probably get a USC or maybe a UCLA again in the Pac-12 championship game. This is my, and then, Oregon State also, Godfrey, not not an easy out. Hell no. Go Chainsaws. Uh, this is my road trip of the week. Um, one, like for all the actual logistical road trip purposes, Eugene's a fun town. Uh, it's a good place to go for college football. It embodies like a like the Pacific Northwest. It just it, it works. Corvallis does too, by the way. I'm not trying to get involved in the Civil War up there, but like – uh, it's great. I also think like Odson is an incredibly like it is a thing. Like we talk about loud stadiums all the time. Time like everyone has their personal. The loudest stadium I was ever in was in 2003 at Auburn. But like Odson is legitimately loud all the time. I think we've approached like a really dumb way of looking at Oregon all the time because they were in the college football championship in 2015. 
January 15. It's like this all or nothing context we apply. It's like a binary with Oregon. They could win this game. They could lose this game. They're still probably headed in a good direction and they're still a good football program. Um, I thought throwing the baby out with the bathwater was a little ridiculous by, by like how they lost to Georgia to open at not only week one, but a new coaching staff. Like I just, I, we tend to get dumb and absurd when we talk about the ducks. I don't know exactly why we just being the entire media. I, mean, I get it. I get it. But the thing is with Oregon, like I'm not going to give you, uh, I'm, I'm not going to give you a, a handicap because your head coach was in the building for multiple years. What a Georgia I don't really litigate that game. Yeah. But, but, but yeah, we but you don't have the horses, it. dude. You just didn't have the, I mean, you didn't, it wasn't there. You don't have the players and we, we know what, Hey, Mario showed us what Oregon looks like when they have to get physical. Not good, boss. So, yeah, again, again, like, yeah, I just that was a personnel issue in game one. Like, I just I don't know. We Again, I just think it's really reductive when we talk about Oregon. So uh, it, it's I am earnestly watching what spa- I'm earnestly watching the space of what Bo Nix we're going to get on. Saturday yes. Afternoon. So that was the last thing I was going to say is good Bo Nix, bad Bo Nix. Um, but yeah, I do. This is officially my road trip. If you ever get a chance, roll through Eugene. Super cool, unique college experience. And then Autzen just speaks for itself. 230 ABC. Texas at Oklahoma State. Godfrey, you've said it before. Mm. Texas, this is the real game. This is, yes. This is the real game for Texas. It's not It's not Red River, and it hasn't been for years. This is how you know very what's up much with Texas. Love, I would very much love to hook them uh, in this game. I will be Nokianing this matchup. Um, Texas, let's, let's, let's take care of business here, fellas. Yep. It's the tell. Well, this it's is the, the real tell. tell story. Yeah. We, I am, I am, I am enthused. I am interested. I am, I'm watching this one intently. You can take every Texas season overhyped or, or overly dramatically negatively doomsday and you can lift the gums. And if there's Oklahoma state around the teeth, you're probably in for a bad time. This is the real game also, that, that I, is the barometer for Texas football. With Oklahoma State, I mean, they, like, this is also a barometer game for Oklahoma State, too. Yes, it is. Like, they just yeah, lost. You're right. You know, they just lost in a way. Like, I do not. They just lost in a way that is not great. Um, And so, yeah, this I think this is a barometer game for Oklahoma State, too, which starts. Uh, they uh, obviously they're in the middle of a stretch here. They get Texas and then, then they get, I think, K-State. Uh, I think they get both Kansas in the next few weeks as well, even though Kansas this, is a little bit different. Oak story State is still if, my whether or not Jalen Daniels plays. Oak State is still my pick. Richard was alluding to this when he did TCU at the top of the show. Like Oak State is still my pick for like comes in as the dominant brand day one on the new Big 12. This could be a really good game. I'm looking forward to it. Three on Spectrum, Hawaii and Colorado State. Just noting this, Hawaii, maybe, just maybe, could win a second FBS game, which would make this a wildly successful first season for Timmy Chang, given that situation. Uh, Six on ESPN, Mississippi State, Alabama. Sorry, State, uh, you're – I don't think this is going to be fun for for the Cowbells in this game. Alabama, uh, Mike Leach's Mississippi State has played eight quarters against Nick Saban's Alabama. They have scored nine points. And I think that Alabama will be in a certain kind of mood in this game, would be my guess. That's fair Uh, to say. Minnesota at Penn State at 630 on ABC. The air for someone here is going to have gone out of the balloon very, very quickly by the time it is over. My guess is that that will be Minnesota. I think Penn State is better and will beat them. But someone who we were talking about a certain way two, three weeks ago, we will no longer be talking about that way uh, if they lose this game. Yep. 
Kirk Soroka revenge game. Wow. Wow. What a, what a sentence. If you know, you know. If you know, you know. Wait, and wait, those who right. know are are in on that which, shit. Which side of this is he on now? Sorry, I lose track he, every year he if was he's Minnesota's, with Penn State or Minnesota. <laughs> he was Minnesota's <laughs> premier play caller when they had like six, seven-foot wide receivers and they were just whooping ass in the, in the advent of the Fleck era. He got called over to Penn State for the bag. And he got he got called he over. Did. The spirit touched him to go. <laughs> yeah, to Yeah, he got State. the bag touched him. The spirit touched his bank the account. The bag yeah. touched him, and it was the COVID year, I think. And they and James, uh, who I've known for a long time, James Franklin, in all his infinite wisdom as a CEO and diplomat and manager of people, promptly threw his ass under that bus after things ah, yes. fell apart. Yes. And to bring then, in Mike Yurchich. Yes. And so now yeah. he's back at his OG job, which is he's now play caller again at Minnesota. Just throwing it out there. <laughs> Love it. That's where he is at this point. Uh, 6.30 on ESPNU, UCF at ECU. Greenville in a big night spot. Could always be fun. You never know. Seven on Fox or FS1. K-State, TCU. A lot of purple in this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and probably some very different looking but very effective offense will be played in this game. Wait. I, yeah, that is going to be really fun, by the way. I, like, that is going to be a fun game. Richard said a lot of bad things about K-State at the beginning of the season, but I still love you, Emo. 9.30 ESPN. What did I say about K-State? Dude, I, what did I say about K-State? He's hating ass. Hating ass. Moving no, on. No, I said they were going to be really creative and fun in the QB run game. And they, 9.30 no, on ESPN. Uh, Washington at Cal. If you're looking for a nightcap, could be worse for the After Dark Affair. Uh, but really, Washington... <sighs> Win this one. Win yeah, this well, one. Yeah, or, man. I, I win. You know, I win hard already... on Washington early in the season. Please stop making me look like a dumbass. Cal has already started rearranging the deck chairs, by the way. Yep. Just to be yep. clear. Okay. It's time for vested interests. By the way, that brought enti- to you by BetUS. I'm oh, sorry. I was jumping on the ad. That this entire week, the way that it just shapes up and the way you read it out loud, Alex, it's going to be a weird ass weekend. It, it's it's got be a potential weird, weird just seated inside of it. It is. Thank you very much to BetUS, great sponsors of the program this year. The standings in our BetUS Pick'em game, Godfrey's 8-2. and Kind of wild. Godfrey, you're on an absolute heater. Richard, you're 7-3. and three. I'm 6-4. and four. All of that's good. I mean, we'll, we'll take all of that. The voting public on Twitter is 2-4-1, doghouse. Get it together, so, people. Uh, we what are y'all see doing? If the public can get back on the horse this week, uh, I am fascinated to see where this goes i'm i am actually doing better in picks that i've been making outside of our show like i'm, I'm 16 and 8 in a pick video series Ooh. that i do um i've been on a heater there i've been okay here i'd like to get better here um i lost this week all, we're doing I, I, Iowa. I do terrible outside of this pick so so well hey friend of friend of the show says uh friend of the show stats of war parker fleming says uh 64 of this week's spreads are within a touchdown that is like NFL shit. Very interesting. Yeah. So it's going to be a, it, it could be a tight week at the could be a tight week at the books so, for uh, or for for a lot of us. Iowa, Ohio State total yeah. is forty nine points. Uh, this is a science project kind of pick. Uh, it's a matter of how many points do you think Ohio State's going to score yeah. in this game. Uh, the Twitter vote is for the over. They clearly think that Ohio State is going to score fifty on their own or at least like forty four. Yeah. On principle, the question – I am taking Ohio State over via the prompt. But the question is, can Ohio State cover this entire total 
by itself. Ohio State's actual Vegas team total is 39 and a half. Keep that in mind. So Vegas thinks Ohio State will win this game 40-ish to 10-ish because the spread is 30. Mm-hmm. Um, I am very curious if Ohio State can cover this entire total by themselves. I'm going under because I don't think Iowa's contributing more than seven points, maybe 10. Uh, and I think that the Iowa defense can muck it up just enough, just enough. Like, I think this my, game could be like 35-10. My thing with Iowa is I'm sure people will say, well, okay, well, Iowa's going to try to hold the ball and sit on the ball. But if you're going three and out, it, it, you're not holding the ball that long. And I know Iowa's coming off a of bye week, so you would think something will have congealed in the bye week. They have gotten some sort of figured you it out. You would think. You would think. You would think. I mean, it, you would think. No, you wouldn't. Would you think? No, you would. I don't. What? Why? Why are we believe? <laughs> no, fucking. I, I took. The, I took the over. Ohio State can do it by themselves. God, why are we belaboring this? Okay, fair enough. It's going to be fascinating to see uh, the degrees to which the extremes play out in this game, and that's why we're picking it. Thank you very much. Go to betus.com. That's betus.com. Join now. 200% bonuses with promo code SZD. Y'all know that nobody in the industry gives better discounts than BetUS. Again, join up, use the code SZD, up to 200% bonuses on your first deposit. Nobody beats that, I promise. Richard, Stephen, it's a pleasure as always. Anyone doing anything fun this week before we get out of here? Next Tuesday, Secret Base on YouTube, Patrick Mahomes, the 50 TD season. I know it's NFL, but I worked hard on it, so watch it, please. Richard? I'm getting them... Getting the mice out of my apartment. Yeah, me too. I'm writing a lot at Slate this week. You can check that out. Thank you very much, everyone. We will see you very soon. We'll have some Patreon stuff this week. And we are, of course, back here on Sunday. See you soon.